0: Welcome to another episode of Action Movie Anatomy. We're back on a Wednesday talking about the Mask of Zorro. Tune in every week. We'll see you in one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Oh, oh my god, there's so many sounds happening oh at once. My I was god. like, There's the soar, there's the song. Um, and in reality, I've just had that song playing in my head from when they tango yes. for the for the last like Since we were actually eight. Since I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited today. <laughs> uh, you should be sitting here. I don't know that why. That was a very good accent. It was Puss in Boots, man. It was. It was. <laughs> I'm a cat. Uh, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's another uh, Wednesday afternoon. Haven't said that in about a year and a half. Yeah, uh, good job. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. We, uh, we're, we're here. We do an action movie anatomy, We talk about action movies on this show, and uh, today we're talking The Mask of Zorro. We have been talking about doing this movie for years and years and years and years, and uh, it's one of your favorite movies of all time. Do you think this is in your top 50 all time? Oh, God, definitely. After watching it again... Top 30? I don't know. It's tough because, you know, there's a lot of stuff, you, you, you know... you. We talked about it a little bit. We we never try to talk too much about the movies before coming on the show. But there is a good amount of stuff about this movie that if I hadn't have watched it as a kid, I'd probably feel about how you do about it, which I think is still pretty good. Right. But like when I watch it, I I'm I'm just in. You know, I'm like a I'm like a five year old or an eight year old again. Like I love it so much and it makes me feel all the nostalgia. Wasn't there a movie just recently though that was exactly the opposite that we talked about that I said this movie makes me feel eight and you were like you, oh yeah, and you were like not in a good way, but I was like no, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, what was that? We just did that. Whatever movie that was on the show, it was literally like something was, that I I don't think it was Pearl Harbor. It might have been, might have been. Uh, I'll I'll look at it. Uh, I'll look at the list. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really really excited to, to cover this. I'm actually almost a little bit bummed. You even said it. You're like, should we just wait for your mom to be here to cover it I because know. my my mother loves this movie. Um. But I, I just didn't want to wait. I was yeah. just too excited. It's fair. It's, it's a totally fair point. So, guys, this is the Popcorn Talk Network. We talk action movies on the show, Action Movie Anatomy. Those action movies adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero is always playing by their own rules. <laughs> I don't have the outline in front of me. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> I could have sworn I printed it. I could have uh, sworn I printed it, Ryan. It's cool. You have it on your iPad. Though. I do. I yeah, do. Good, good, good. The hero always plays by their own rules. And he, I mean, as soon as, so is the hero just the character Zorro? It is.
1: Oh, that's is, a good question. Or, or is the
0: hero just like good people? Because it's in like the three of them. I think the hero is Zoro. Right. No. Oh, I think it's I think it's Antonio. I think it is. It's not Anthony Hopkins. I don't think it's Anthony Hopkins because I think Anthony Hopkins has this, this moment where he's kind of uh because you know, at the very end of the movie, he's like, "I don't want to do this anymore." I like he I he has to take my daughter it, and leave. So, so maybe it's yeah. a combination of the two of them. Yeah, maybe it's the combination because they both bring each other back from the depths. Well, it's also like you know, it's like the the classic uh, the classic hero's journey. You know, it's like uh, he starts as less than Anthony Hopkins. He learns, and in the end, he is greater than Anthony Hopkins. Exactly, right? because like, that's like yes. the point. That's the whole, supposed to be the whole idea. Um, like Blade and Whistler, um, <laughs> 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 yeah, Chris Christopherson. Yeah, I've been drinking for years. Blade, here's your blood. <laughs> Go be better than me. <laughs> Where's my beer? Um, that was John Roker. That was John. <laughs> <laughs> like, that. Sounds like John. <laughs> no, uh, but but I think the hero is the hero is, is Zorro. I think that's uh-huh. a fair point. Uh, rule number two: the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, what have you, in the room. So. Uh, Zoro, the character is for sure, no yes. question. He's a superhero in that in that in that way. Now, on the other side, right? On the other side, the bad guy is Don Raphael, or is it is it basically Jason Isaacs and the Patriot? Like, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, your the, standard, the standard bad guy army yes. who wants to kill everything good. I believe. I think it's truly Don Raphael. Yeah. I mean, like, he's the reason why the wife is dead. He steals his daughter from him, like, as an infant. He's a politician. He's, he's yeah. a great swordsman. He's, he's, he's like, two-faced. He's trying to buy someone's land with a bunch of gold that's, that they own, with yeah. a bunch of slave labor. But he gets fooled. He does get fooled. What do you mean? He oh, does, because, oh you mean because the... He doesn't catch that he is Zorro. Yeah. He doesn't even catch that... He's not even quick enough to catch the fact that Anthony Hopkins is in the prison when he goes and looks at him. So, uh, yeah, that's a good point. So I think it's a two. I think it's the same thing. I think it's the two the and duo. the two. Yeah, yeah, because the the captain does know that it, he well he, he doesn't. He says whether you're Morietta's brother or not, you are you are someone that is trying to appear as more than they are. Yeah. So I have questions about Morietta. that. We're gonna get there. Morietta. Rule number three: The movie is driven by police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Um, I'm surprised vigilante's not on there. Right? Because Batman's a vigilante. It's because when we wrote the rules, we didn't do superhero movies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's we true. We swore we wouldn't. And this is actually a comic book movie. It's a comic book yeah, movie. it uh, really is. Uh, big shout to uh, almost the singles champion, William Bibiani, uh, <laughs> who is... <laughs> no, I, I... Big And shout almost to... <laughs> the team's champion, <laughs> William Bibiani. No, but our friend, William Bibiani, who actually went on his show, and we, t- and we talked about top comic book movies of all time. Uh, I think it was critically acclaimed. It was... No... One of the shows that Bibbs does. I can't remember which one it was. I guess that on about six the, months ago. I think the show's called Almost... Ch- <laughs> and uh, when we were counting down our top comic book movies of all time, we got down to number two. Uh-huh. His second favorite comic book movie ever is this movie. I remember you telling me this, and well, I, I was I, so excited to I hear that. I remember last night at, like, midnight, and we were texting. I was like, ah, should we invite him? It's, like, it's, it's 12 hours from now. That's, <laughs> that is the least professional That's, thing we would yeah, have ever done yeah, in our we life. Don't, we don't like doing that. No. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I was actually really, really happy to hear that when you told me that he... Uh, uh, that he loved this movie that much. I didn't actually know people loved this movie. Like, most people don't. Like, we actually just talked to Kevin, who yeah. is the owner of this show, the yeah. owner of this studio... And Kev loves these type of movies. You even said, you're like, you know, Can of Monte Cristo is one of your favorite movies of all time. You've got to love this movie, right? And he hadn't even seen it. Yeah, and we've, uh, Action Industries, which is our Twitter, and we'll get to social plugs in a second here, posted a poll this morning about your favorite swashbuckling movie. Yeah. Uh, some of the options were Three Musketeers, this. Uh, what does swashbuckling mean? Is that just sword fighting? I think it's like, I think it's like swinging around on ropes, swords, guns. Okay, like, okay. It's kind of like adventure movie, okay. I think-ish. Uh, Pirates. I, th- I thought boats had to be involved for that for some wow, reason. Well, I think it's, pirates or it's characters that wear those big leather boots with the floppy tops (laughs) if those boots are in the movie it is a swashbuckling film are both wearing those boots you just can't see it we We are to the studio uh no but but um and people were responding like they were like excited about the topic you know i saw Mm -hmm. a bunch of different Shmodan competitors responding so anyway uh that's rule number three rule number four the movie contains a minimum of one explosion exploding mines of gold that explosion at the end feels like they set it up yeah and they only had a one like a one and done and then they blew it up. And they're like, "Holy shit, this is too big!" Yeah, it was gigantic. Massive. massive. It was. It, it would have killed every single person within like a five mile radius. And then they walk out. And they uh, walk out of the smoke holding a baby. Both, both with children. Yes, yes. <laughs> he's got the, he's And got they're the actually their she's kids. He's got a kid. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. Happened quick. Um, so anyway, guys, those are the rules of action movie anatomy. So we're going to continue kind of on through the show. But a couple quick shout outs for everybody here who's watching, who's listening. We're back here on Wednesdays. Uh, you guys, are you know that if you're watching live. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did this show for years on Wednesdays. We were doing it for Monday for about a year, year and a half. We're back to Wednesdays here at 1 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. Um, if you want to follow along with anything that we are doing, you can obviously follow along with Popcorn Talk every single week. They have tons of streaming shows. Great stuff. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Ben Bateman Media. Instagram the same. Yep. Yeah, and you guys can find me at Andrew Guy. You can find the show at Team Action Show. And we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Team Action. It's amazing. We have so many people supporting there, including two brand new members, Simon Brouillard. That's a sweet Is he a name. villain and a diehard? Hard I, I, He's movie? a sick name. <laughs> Simon Brouillard and Louisa Gundel or Gundel say, will you say it in, uh, in Banderas' voice Simon Brouillard no that's like, uh, that's, that's like that's what the guy from that's uh, Eugene Levy remember, oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's also <laughs> you may recognize me as the villain in a great no, number of action Rex movies, movies. Uh, but yeah so thank you guys so much for being patrons big big salute to you guys and if you guys want to become patrons check us out patreon.com slash team action where we actually just had a post up yesterday because we have an anchor channel now Yeah, well, so (laughs) I had a show on Anchor for like two years. You did. Nobody knows what Anchor is. No. So (laughs) but the cool thing about Anchor, if you guys are wondering, you're like, I don't want to hear about this again. Anchor has changed their platform. Yeah. So you can actually record and create podcasts on Anchor, which is amazing. But the, the, and I correct me if I'm wrong here, Ryan, we're hosted through Anchor. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Oh, this is on Anchor, Anchor, too. too. This is great. is all hosted through Anchor. Uh So it's a podcast hosting platform. Is the most important and the coolest thing that Anchor is doing. So when you say we're on Anchor, what that actually means is you can listen to the Action Guys, our new show, on Spotify, on iTunes. You can go download it on Stitcher, where it pushes it out to all the different audio platforms. That's the coolest function of Anchor. So not only do we have the app. But you guys can listen to our brand new show we're doing once a week, The Action Guys. which we're going to get into a little later in the show, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about it. But yeah, we ha- we're we there. where We have a podcast feed now. It's very exciting. Yeah, and if you don't want to look at our faces for this show, you can also go and find this on Spotify and on Anchor as well. So really, really excited about that. And um, let's see. Any other shout-outs we want to do before we get into the show? Hmm. Mm. Any other quick shout-outs we want to do? What do you think? I don't think so. Oh, I think we just get into it. I thought you were being coy. I thought you had one. Um, so... <laughs> Coming no. up today on the show, we are going to be talking about all your favorite segments, guys. We're going to be talking about Thesis Statement, Fist Pump Moment. We're going to be talking career-defining role Antonio Baudetis. We're, we're, we're going to ask the question, is Zorro his career-defining role? Or is it in boots? It uh, in boots. I can't wait to ask that question, but we're going to start the show off with the very first thing we do every single week, and that is Thesis Statement. So this is your yeah. biggest, boldest thought about the film. When the movie comes up in conversation, you say to everybody, you know what? Here's the thing about the mask of Zorro, not the legend of Zorro. Not Zorro the Gay Blade. Right. (laughs) The Mask of Zorro. The Mask of Zorro. Here's the thing about it. Here's the best, the worst, the only, the first, the last, the greatest. It should never just be like, I think Catherine Zeta-Jones is beautiful in this film. Yeah, she fights good with that sharp thing. You want it to be something strong you can hold on to. Uh, And it can be anything. It can be anything you want. I think you have a sweet one. I do. I do have a good... I I had a few. Uh, I wanted to say it was the most underrated action movie from the 90s. But I decided to just go with a hard and fast. This is the sexiest action movie of all time. Sweet. It just is. Is it the most romantic? Absolutely not. Is it the sexiest? Oh, my God. Yes, it is. Because Anthony Hopkins... (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) Because Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones, first of all, they're both beautiful to look at in this movie. They are both... He is so handsome, and she is the most stunning, like, almost ever. But. 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 What I will say is that the sword fighting scene they have with one another, and the tango scene that they have with one another they're so sexy it just is and they're and it's like it's not like sexy in like a way that makes you kind of feel uncomfortable cuz like if you go and you watch like the Thomas Crown affair or desperado yeah. there's some pretty intense sex scenes in those movies and and like you could call that sexy yeah. but it's like almost a little bit too much whereas like this Hey, Jeff Graham. What's up, man? Thank you so much. Nope, you're the best because we're bad at our jobs and we did not print these out. Uh, See what they're on the screen? I do. I do see that. (laughs)
1: This is the rundown for Joker. Uh, Ryan, I
0: could have sworn I emailed you the correct rundown. I could have sworn we were doing uh, The Mask of Zorro, but
1: uh... guys,
0: we have Joker outlines here. So Todd Phillips, actually. Uh, But anyway, so uh, when it comes to this movie, when I watched it, it's it's like that fun kind of sexy. It's like you watch it and it's just they're beautiful to look at. It's lit in a way, it almost feels like it's lit like a telenovela, but then their chemistry is actually really there. So even though it's not romantic, like super, super romantic, it is romantic, but it's not like it's not like a like a true romance film. It's yeah. definitely an action movie with this layer of it. When I watch it, it just it's just fun. And they're amazing to watch. And that dance scene, that thing locks it in for me. The tango? It is so incredible. It's sexy. It's very, very... (laughs) I wish I could dance like that. I mean, who doesn't? (sighs) There's a reason (sighs) that Antonio (laughs) Banderas... uh, Fact check me on this. Uh, Fact check, Ryan. Did he ever win Sexiest Man Alive, people? I feel like he probably did. And also, did Todd Phillips direct this movie? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's a good chance that Antonio Banderas, somewhere between 1998 and 2004... Usually I have lists like this memorized, but I don't have this one memorized. Um, he did win.
1: He did. I knew it. What of course year? he did. I'm pulling up the year right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2002. Yes. We should, play a- we should
0: play a game every week on the show, Guess. Did they or did we- they not win Said <laughs> People, Sexy Man Alive at some point? And I feel like every time it's just yes. Yeah, it's yes. It's almost always yes. I mean, his sex appeal is outstanding. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, incredible. It's unreal. <laughs> it's almost Patrick Swayze good. <laughs> Nobody is Patrick Swayze good. He won in 1990. Oh, you um, know what? The other movie that probably makes me feel this way, yeah. and someone just said it in the chat. I do love the original Three Musketeers with Chris O'Donnell, Kiefer, I, I, and Tim Curry, and uh, and, uh, and, and Robert Re- Platt, right? Yep, and Rebecca Day De- yeah. De- 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 De yes. and uh, <laughs> and that one guy who talks like this and he's bad. He's the bad guy in the Crow. Michael, Michael, we're almost there. We're so close. No, I, we can get this. Michael Hightower. <laughs> he always plays characters. He we wears big, flowing uh, white shirts yes. with tight cuffs. God, he's wonderful. He should have been in this movie. Wincott. Wincott. God <laughs> damn it! You're fired, Ryan. <laughs> All right, we can't do Sam this. Please, tonight. Please don't cancel our show, right? Uh, yes. God. Michael Wincott, so good. Yes, yeah, so good. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, and this is tough because I, I I was trying to distill this down to like a this was the greatest, and I just can't I can't settle if this is hundred percent like the greatest. So I'm gonna say this. Okay. Anthony Hopkins is a top three superhero mentor character ever so like this includes oh, okay. this includes jor this includes like you know liam neeson and batman begins like, jor like, yeah who's he like we're talking fathers mentors anything yep. like the, the, yep. i'm gonna teach you uh so over richard harrison in in monte cristo like I, over it's like I'm, I'm so tempted to say just the greatest because he's so magnetic in the role he's, he's so good. perfect he's white yeah. And he's playing a Mexican. Okay, like let's just call it what it is and I'm so okay with it. Hollywood went backwards 50 years with this movie. They really did, but they were like but it's Anthony Hopkins. It's Anthony Hopkins. And Anthony and Antonio Banderas was like okay. No problem. No problem. <laughs> uh he's just he's so wonderful and he's so he's so likable. It's a little a little unbelievable at the beginning of the movie that he's actually Zorro. He's yeah. jump- and he's jumping around. But they, like, they like put the makeup on him and they make him, like, kind of younger. And he does immediately admit that he's getting too old for this shit. Yes. And he retires. Here like, we go. Take do we two. Ha- do we have the real
1: outline coming?
0: <laughs> this time, <laughs> Jeff
1: Graham's back. Is this Legally Blonde too? Is
0: that right? Uh, nope, still joking. Nope, no. still joking. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Um, so sorry. So keep going, keep going. Um, and uh, he's just, yeah, he, like, he, it's a little unbelievable, but he's, as soon as he starts teaching him when they're, like, in the lair and he's, like... He's like, this is your circle. Yeah. And, you know, I can't do it. Can't do it. Deep, yeah. Yeah. The deeper, deeper closer, yeah. closer. And he's sitting there drinking wine, and, like, it's just, it's just like, a. I think the thing about this movie I love so much, and why he's so enjoyable, is that anytime you, you enter the world of, of family-friendly with a movie, mm-hmm. if like you want a family-friendly movie that's going to appeal to kids and adults, it has to be exciting, it has to be engaging. Your characters need to be memorable, which is why, basically, like, all animated films cast, like all oscar winners because they know and it's also another reason why you have superhero films often the villain is a another oscar winner like Mm -hmm. it's such an important piece of the puzzle you need like your most real character to be a really talented actor so when you're making this movie you're kind of like okay so antonio banderas he's up and coming we like him he's he's a hot young guy Catherine zeta jones stunningly gorgeous we think she's very talented she doesn't have a great body of work yet but like she's working on it and now we're gonna just cast hannibal Lecter. not only that. He was Hannibal Lecter, but he's going to be such a likable character for children. Yes, the families are going to watch the guy that ate people seven years ago and won an Oscar for 18 minutes of screen time, and he's going to be so he's going to be reading a book with his feet on Benares' back as he's doing pushups. He's like sipping wine. Yes, and he's so likable. It's that's why I think like it's different than like Liam in Batman Begins because like that's a much more down the middle type of role. Like it's Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to make that role good cuz it takes itself so seriously anyway. Well, he's he's our uh General Hummel in yeah. this movie. He is. He grounds this thing completely and like again, I I understand Anthony Hopkins is a British man, but he does this actually well enough in my opinion and it is the 90s so you got to give it a little bit of leeway, <laughs> yeah. you know. Obviously that would never happen today and he would probably never take the role now, but uh, he's so endearing in the moments that he has with Catherine Zeta-Jones when he's petting the horse and when he has oh, yeah. the real moments with Anthony, uh, Antonio Banderas like that's the shit that makes this movie good. It really is, because if this movie is just the action scenes, and I'm not 12 years old anymore, yeah. this movie's not that great. Everything else about this movie, this is a great example of it's the things that happen in between the action to make us love a movie. And I have to clarify this, because Mac Ryan, General Mac Ryan, freaking out in the chat. Five star, General Salute, Mac five Ryan. star. He thought that I didn't know who jor was. I do know who Jorel was. I thought you said Jorel. Mac hates everything. <laughs> I was like is this from Friday? Is there a mentor on Friday? Like I, had, I was like I had no idea. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm glad I had to clear that up because uh, you know, Superman. So uh, next up we're going to get to uh, we're we're going to get to uh, career profiles. So start oh. with Joaquin Phoenix. Um no, I- as a Joker. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I was expecting a better laugh. <laughs> well, it's because at first as the names were so close, and also we're supposed to do a fist segment bump. first. yeah. yeah. That's, jumped, what, that's what I was looking at. Jump the shark on the joke. I was so excited. God! Um, All right, guys. Next up on the show, we got this thing called fist pump moment. It's something that happens in the movie. You look around. You're like, Are you seeing this right now? This is so awesome. Yes. It is fist pump, not fist bump. Yep. And uh, you get hyped, and you get to you get to you call your buddy, turn this movie on. You got to see it. Um, you had one of these actually the other night after watching Harriet. I did. <laughs> Dude, I I actually had, okay. So I I go to this thing called the Dean's Movie Night. It's at my girlfriend's place, where she's getting her doctorate, and they and they have this this. Uh, they do it once a month or once a quarter, and uh, it's usually mainly like professors and students are there watching a movie. And we watched Herat the other night, and I will say there was probably maybe in the room maybe 5 people of uh that weren't white okay. and the rest of it was all white people there's probably 30 people total okay they were hooting and hollering and cheering and fist pumping during that movie it was amazing and there was a moment where harriet tubman she's singing this song it's like let my people g-. like she sings yeah. it numerous times throughout yeah. the movie this old ass professor behind me sang along with it Wow. It was incredible. It huh. was one of the best movie experiences I've ever had in one of the most shocking places to have it. They, they, so that's the Moses song? Yeah. She sings it throughout the movie to like huh. let slaves know that she's like in the woods. Ah, that's pretty cool. It, it's really cool and she has an incredible voice. Yeah. I, I still want to do a review on this movie because I loved it so much but I was just shocked yeah. by how much... This room was fist pumping. Like, I wanted to be like, that's the segment on my show! I'm so disappointed that I that I missed that movie. There was, like, a, every once in a while in a line of, like, four or five invites, I'll, I'll, I'll have to miss one. Right. And I missed that one, and I'm, like, very disappointed I missed it, especially considering she got nominated for Best Actress for the role. Uh, and I was, I, was I, I, I would totally be okay if she won. Really? Yeah, exactly. but I haven't seen the other roles. Okay. But I'd be okay with what she did in that movie winning an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway... Fist bump moment. Yeah, did so, we say? Oh no, you were just talking. Yeah, I just was thinking about like you know you call your buddy and that's what you did. Yes. So, so um yeah, there are moments in this in this movie that I think are definitely fist bump worthy. It's a kids movie, so I definitely think you have to work harder mm-hmm. as an, like okay that you were talking about our our experiences of watching this movie, and this is where you watching the movie as having memories as a kid. I think it's easier to have a fist bump moment. Yeah. Harder watching it as an adult for the first time because a lot of those moments are. They still feel kind of watered down, um, mm-hmm. but they still, they're still they still there for me, Like because you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting for him to face the, the army captain, so at the end when the army captain's got his gun and his sword, oh, yeah. and one of the suspension of disbelief things in this movie that happens throughout the movie is like it's a comic book movie from the 90s in the sense that you're not really trying to ground it. You're not trying to explain how he would be able to best so many men and fight all these people at the same time or... Why he's not cutting people's arms off or why they're not just shooting him. Yeah. When there's like a hundred guys with rifles and he's got one sword. Like, there's things you have to kind of jump past. So this is a great, like, nod to that, because the guy's standing there looking at him and he's got the gun and the sword, and he throws the gun down, and you're like, You're gonna die! You're gonna die yes! by a sword. <laughs> he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. He chapter <laughs> money. And uh and that for me was probably the one that I got the most like the most hyped on. Yeah. I was just you were just waiting for that. All movie. I wonder if there's ever been anyone in like a war, and this is kind of fucked up to say, but I want to try to add some levity to it, but, like, let's say you're in a war, and you come up in a moment like this, yeah. and you're like, you've got a sword, and he's got a sword, or your guy's like, one of you has a gun, and then you're like, all right, and you toss your side, and then just shoot you. Because yeah. it's like, that's what happens in movies. Like, yeah. just, if you're in real life, and you're going to die, yeah. you figure, if you have the advantage, you're going to take it. If, if Ryan Johnson was directing, that's what would happen. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. That's a great fist moment. I still love that. I, God, I... I thought that my fist pump moment was the fist pump moment when I was a kid, which yeah. was the do- the dual fighting the sword, sword thing. Fight. Love it. Yeah. Love it. It yeah. only happens for like 10 <laughs> seconds, and I must have rewound that like 100 times. As a kid? Yeah. <laughs> but the other scene that I rewound as a kid. Is the tango scene? Yeah. There's the building music, the sexual tension, the incredible dancing, and yeah. the way that they do this awesome thing with looking at the reactions of the captain and the Dons yeah. and of of Anthony Hopkins. It's and like, everyone's like rushing to see what's happening. happening. He's like, "Oh, sh- yes! Those yeah. people are beautiful. I'm yeah. turned on right now." Yes. <laughs> and I was like, "I had this huge <laughs> smile on my face," and I like I watched it again, yeah. just like I did when I was yeah. a kid. And I was like, "This is it. This is my fist pump." I thought it was going to be the barn, uh, like the fight in the barn with him and Catherine Zeta, because it's it's amazing. And really good. I, and yeah. I was like laughing out loud the whole time. And I, and I, I rewound that as well, but I, that tango scene, man, it is just the greatest it is absolutely the greatest. Um, I have one here from Colby Marin in the chat. So Colby, thank you so much. And good to see you here in the chat again. He says, my fist pump is when Antonio pulls his sword out and swings it all around, all over the place. and He's screaming, yelling, and then he's disarmed in one swipe by uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Max says, I agree that that's the kind of stuff I want to ask you. How does that hit you as an adult? Because like you're kind of just like eh, you know or Well, okay, so like this is this is another thing and, and I'm I was sort of trying to separate I was sort of trying to separate the two uh pieces of it, I guess, so I could like I could like dissect, you know, what type of movie am I putting myself in line to enjoy here? Right. Because Count of Monte Cristo is not a kid's movie. Mm-mm. It's like it's PG thirteen enough in the same way. But it's really not a kids' movie. It's really like, feels like more of a, you know, like a PG 13 movie. This yeah. feels very <clears throat> PG. This movie feels like Disney could make this today just like this and it would be a huge hit. Um, so it's actually in the beginning of the movie when uh, Anthony Hopkins is jumping around and he's like kicking soldiers in the butt. Mm. And you know yeah, what I mean? It's, yeah, those yeah. are the moments. And But the funny thing is, he's doing it and you're watching the two kids watch yes and you're sort and you're like that's sort of the point is that he's supposed to be a hero for the people and for children and for everyone he's not supposed to be a dangerous vigilante who's gonna murder people he's supposed to he's supposed to be you know patient and kind and and ruthless when he needs to be like all the things that you would want a great hero to be right and like and i was reading a little bit about you know the the comic of zoro and that was a big part of his thing was like he would make these people kind of look silly or foolish around him instead of just like murdering them you know it was it was a different type of thing to accomplish and that also i think comes with the time of when it was originally written yeah he's sort of a mischievous vigilante or yeah 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 so i I thought that was interesting and that's that when you ask the question of like how do those scenes hit i mean levity there's enough levity there's not like there's not a lot of humor in this movie that plays to your highest intelligence i find that was like no like a a lot of that children's humor feels like it's for children and it's less like yeah because even the stuff that does like like the stuff that made me laugh it still made me laugh partly cuz of nostalgia and the other part was just like good good timing like my the, the moment that i think of is when captain Zeta-Jones dis- disarms him yeah, in the right. barn, and then he's like trying to find something to lean on, and he leans on it and looks at it, and he's like kind of smiling awkwardly. Yeah, I was like, that's actually just him being a pretty good comedic actor in that moment. It's not that funny, yeah, but he pulls it off well. Yeah, totally. I mean, and he's he, those are the kind of things we talk about movie star charisma. He's got a lot of it in this. Movie. Yes, he, he really, does. He really does. So we're going to continue moving on through the show, guys. We want to get to uh, career profiles, star mm-hmm. profiles. So we'll start <clears> with Antonio Banderas. So 1996, he does Evita. Too much in '95. Never talk to strangers. 1995. Now, if I, unless I'm mistaken, Desperado is also '95. Sounds right, or maybe a little, maybe earlier, like maybe before, could be. But yeah, it's it's definitely right in the thick of all this. Right before this, that's like sort of puts him on the map. You know, obviously. Uh, Connor so it says here in September 95, Robert Regress, fresh from the success of Desperado. So maybe it was 94, 95. Okay. Uh-huh. So uh, that's that's Bandera. So he's kind of up and coming. Yeah, 95 confirmed. <laughs> I'm pretty good. Yeah, movie nice, movie release, nice, nice, nice. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, prior to this, does a movie called Amistad, 1997. Mm. You have seen Amistad, uh, The Edge, 1997. Anybody? <laughs> Anybody, Charles, And uh, Surviving Picasso, 1995. I've never seen Surviving Picasso, but around the same time, he's doing he's doing Nixon and Remains <laughs> of the Day. He's This is his post. Did you watch his... Amistad recently? Or no? Maybe I turned it on, maybe, but I didn't mm. finish it. Yeah, I haven't, fin- I haven't. I've never finished that movie either. God, did I watch Amistad? I can remember like the opening scene. I think. Oh no, maybe not. Maybe I just watched the trailer and read about it for Shmoedown. I <laughs> can't remember to be honest. I haven't seen the whole movie. I can tell you that much. Okay. Um, but uh, and then Catherine Zeta-Jones. Prior to this, she does The Phantom, nineteen ninety-six. Blue Juice, nineteen ninety-five. Splitting Airs, nineteen ninety-three. So she's on her way up. Billy she's- Lane. Yeah, yeah, Billy Zane, Billy Zane in the Phantom. I forgot that she was in the Phantom. I did too. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have. Uh, Billy Zane. Would have pulled that He's one. A cool dude. It's a cool dude. Listen to your <laughs> friend, Billy Zane. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting cast. We talked about it already a little bit. Just kind of like where these guys were in their careers. You needed Antonio Banderas to ground this movie. This movie, I believe, was pretty successful. Uh, you know, with its with its actual uh, performance at the box office. Yeah. Um. You know, we we'll get so. to the we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But I mean, it had the right people and and. I don't think anybody would argue after watching this movie that there are many actresses in the history of film that are more beautiful than her in, in, in this, this movie of her career. My my mom still to this day, she's like, that is the most beautiful I've ever seen a woman look on screen ever. Yeah, it's like pretty astounding. Like she's, she's almost distractingly pretty. Yeah. Like at the very end when they do that shot and she's like looking at him next to the crib. You're like, you're like, Jesus, that's just a modeling shoot. Like yeah. this is a weird, like that doesn't look like it's yeah, in a movie. Totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a good cast on their way up. Um, you want to talk production development or you want? To- uh, I do, but I want to talk about Antonio Banderas first really quickly because, you know, we were talking about this on the way over. and yeah. You were telling me, uh, I mean, well, we, we know yeah, the first time he's ever been nominated um, yeah, this year is this year. <clears throat> and I've heard he's phenomenal in the movie. And when I go back and I watch this movie now as an adult. He's actually a pretty good actor in it. He really is. He does really well with what he has to. He, he's childish and playful when he needs to be. And he's he, he brings the seriousness and the heart, um, you know, that scene when he's with Captain Love and he's like drinking the water out of his brother's like head jar. Yeah, it's gnarly. But like he does it very, very well. And his anger is there. Um, <clears throat> what is his career defining role? Because like, you know, pain and glory is not it. It's too new. So we're going to go back to the beginning really quickly just so we can just just the greatest hits so people have a little bit of sense of the ones that would like really maybe, you know, chart. And I think it really starts with Desperado. That's it, where that's the only one that I can think of would be. But the problem is, is that it feels like the Desperado trilogy is a thing. No. It doesn't feel like the character is the thing. It's definitely not his career defining no. role, but that's his first major movie. Then mm-hmm. you have the Mask of Zorro in 1998. <clears throat> he keeps he keeps making stuff, you know, he's he's in movies, but these, these, these movies aren't really standing out as, like, you know, big, big haymakers. And you start to get into the 2000s, and it's, like, the most prominent role he's ever played that the most people saw was Puss in Boots. It was. It that's, really was. That's, like, that's the voice that the most people are aware of. That's the thing he does. And by the time you start <clears> to get <throat> into, like, 2010, 2011... Not only does he get his own movie, but you start to see what happens if you don't jump to that next level as a proper A-list leading man movie star. If you don't jump to the next level, what happens is you start being in a lot of these movies that he's in, which is he's great in a lot of them. I mean, I saw him in a film uh, a year ago, I think, called Life Itself that he's in. It's a Dan Fogelman movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Pain and Glory. I just saw him in Doolittle. He's in a lot of stuff. It's like he's worked and he's a very prominent name. If you put him in a movie... And you you tell me hey there's a movie coming out it's got you know Ryan Gosling and it's got you know Margot Robbie and it's got Antonio Banderas it's like he fits right in oh easy he's his name still fits in the A list even though he's definitely not that guy but, but if but- you start with Antonio Banderas <clears throat> instead of Ryan Gosling and then it doesn't really sell as well right and he never quite jumps so the question is where along the line did he actually have his career defining role well uh, so one thing I want to mention about this before we get into that is that it really feels like the biggest inhibitor to Antonio Banderas's career was that he was coming up in a time where we were only interested in leading white men or leading black men. Yeah. It really did seem that way. Yeah. You right. know, We had the Will Smiths, we had the Denzels and then we had everyone else that was white. But the thing is, is there weren't a lot of Hispanic Americans or, or like this, this, uh, you know, people like me where you can play a bunch of different roles, sure. <laughs> d- different ethnicities being the leads in, in future films. And, and Antonio Banderas not making it through to that a list level it feels like it has to have been kind of that, racism i hate to say it but it really feels like because he had it he had the looks sexiest man alive he had the talent yeah he was booking the jobs people like working with him like the whole thing unless there's something that i'm just missing i can't put my finger on it well it's weird too, because you look at zorro and the movie did well financially we're going to talk about it in a second but like that's 1998 so there should have been the proof was there for him to to be the guy the leading guy in movies you know it's like and it also makes you wonder you look at so you look at wesley snipes as a guy you were just talking about will smith and you were talking about uh, denzel right he lead he made Big. blade the same year as this Mm-hmm. right blade comes out in 98 does pretty well right so he's a black superhero he makes blade two four years later then he makes blade three so he he stuck with that character he did and blade is and wesley snipes is a, an exponentially worse actor than antony Banderas. I mean, speak for you <laughs> I mean, have you seen movies but the point is you know he he was able to ride that character to a, a pretty solid career as a very rich producer he did very well for himself you know you wonder like what if instead of waiting, because because when does Legend of Zoro come out? I want to say they waited. I think too it's long. like three years later. Or no no, it's like two thousand. I think it's like six years later. I to I yeah, yeah, say yeah. it's like 2004. It's like two thousand four or five. That yeah. feels like I feels like they waited. Or two thousand three. three. Could be 2003. I don't know. I, my my guess would be two thousand four. But I, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's at least it's at least five years later. I'm pretty sure unless right. Ryan, two thousand five. Mm. Two thousand five. Yeah. Wow. Seven years later, they waited seven years to make the sequel to this movie. And I haven't seen it. And no. I love this movie. And I've heard it's bad. Yep. And I think if you, if you really are honest with yourself, the biggest, the biggest thing that hurt his career is that he did not make the sequel to this movie two years later. Yeah. Because The Mummy Returns came out two years later, and it was a big deal, and people love that franchise. If this, if this <clears> had had <throat> the sequel come out, say, three years, two, three years after the first one, I actually think this is so clearly his career-defining role, and I think his career goes in a different direction. Yeah, but instead, uh, really quickly, I want to shout this out because Josh Ryan just popped in the chat, and he's going to be heading out really soon. He has to go back to work. The $25 donation, thank you so much for that $25 Super Chat, Josh. You are amazing. Even though you don't like Step Brothers, I won't hold it against (laughs) you. I'm so happy that this movie is covered on the show. Keep up the great work, gents. Next one on AMA Wishlist is 310 to Yuma. Hashtag Action Army. Hashtag We the North. Big time salute to you, Josh. Always big good to time see you in Josh, the chat. Thank you so much. Um, we both actually like three ten to Yuma. I can see that getting covered one day. I don't know how soon it'll be covered, but yeah, and yeah. also just a, just a big thank you from Popcorn Talk. I mean, yeah. on behalf of Popcorn Talk, any <clears throat> any super chat donation that that comes in on this show goes to the studio, and and uh, I know as a studio that puts an enormous amount of investment in its talent and its shows and yeah. developing, we're very appreciative to have anybody support the support the uh, the network. So yeah, every so every little bit helps. So, um, <clears throat> I guess his career defining role. Is puss and boots for me. It does feel that way, which is so bizarre. It's, it's so because because it's not even him, and he's beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's like split decision. Ryan, what what do you think when you when you think about Antonio Banderas?
1: It's so funny because when I grew up with Antonio Banderas, it was Spy Kids. I was that's, that's where, what someone was else my was saying first in the chat blood yeah. for him. Yeah. I remember seeing him like, oh, he's the dad in Spy Kids, and you could just tell he had this the way he carried himself. Like this guy is a legend. This guy mm. must have had a major career. And then I became aware of Zorro and everything. But um. Uh, honestly, I don't think he's ever been better than in Pain and Glory this year. I was completely you floored. It? Oh, oh, I saw. It, oh, yeah. you did see it? Absolutely floored by it like, awesome i didn't even know he was capable of what he did in that movie um but i think what, it's gotta be Zorro. Is
0: his what kind of character? Uh, it's gotta be zoro for it's you gotta be zoro what is his uh his thing in pain and glory like what's his character like without spoiling the movie
1: he, he plays a filmmaker he plays yeah. a director who has made a ton of hits and he's kind of washed up he's a drug addict he's addicted oh, to heroin oh there it is and, that's, uh, it. that's it that's all i need but to the hear thing, my, my one thing about <laughs> puss in boots though is puss in boots they're playing off of his his Legend of Zorro. Right. He is That's Zorro. true.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. Actually, that's a great point. Uh, but you still have to go back and do the work. You know, where it's like Puss in Boots was so in your face for so long. <laughs> he has to do the work just to be Puss do, Boots. To, yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, that, you know what? You might have won me over. I like that. I like that Puss in Boots is based off of him being Zorro. I'm pretty sure Antonio Medeiros could just, like, lay naked eating grapes on his couch and just and do do that role with any, without any work. Yep. I mean, but that's what happens. <laughs> uh, someone in the chat said earlier that he trained with the uh, like national fencing team of Mexico or something like that. Sweet. For a, a, I wish I could get it exactly, but he did a bunch of that training because uh, his fencing, you can tell, is really good in this movie. Doesn't surprise me. Classic actor thing. Classic actor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's go in here and we'll hop in <clears throat> to production development a little bit. There's a lot actually about this movie. Uh, So in August 1994 Sean Connery was cast as Don Diego de la Vega uh, while Salomon stated that the rest of the major cast would be Hispanic or Latino and Salomon for you guys that don't know uh, is is something I also don't who is that is that the director or no not the director the producer producer? I I would assume yeah yeah yeah. directors of course Martin Campbell Uh, so (laughs) Connery and Salomon eventually dropped out in September 95 Robert Rodriguez fresh from the success of Desperado signed to direct with Antonio Banderas who had also starred in Desperado as we all know. But then Rodriguez backed out over difficulties and coming turns on the budget. Um, blah, 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 blah. We can skip ahead all of that. The film began in 97. That's when they started shooting with a $60 million budget. Um, the troubled production, though, they had a lot of issues with that. Um, <clears throat> Martin Campbell, the director, he had bronchitis, and that, that really stalled filming. If you guys know anything about filming, stalling even for a day costs hundreds of thousands or even a million dollars sometimes. So... Trouble production caused The Mask of Zorro to get $10 million over its budget in December. The producers were frustrated by customs agents when the props and the other items, including Zorro's plastic sword, were held for nine days. During the post-production phase, Spielberg and Campbell decided that Diego de la la Vega's death in the arms of his daughter was too depressing. Um, Doesn't he he still die in her arms, though, at the end? He does. Huh. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. An interesting note, but um, yeah, so then uh, they ended up with them happily ever after with their infant son. Diego definitely dies though. That's yeah. definitely something that happens, so I'm, I'm a little confused by that, but, uh, you know, Spielberg having his... Fi- That's probably why this movie's so good, Spielberg. Spiel- Spielberg loved it. Spielberg loved it. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we, we talked about the, the the producers, we talked about the director a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, I know we haven't talked about Martin Campbell yet. Yeah, we, we talked about, about Martin Campbell. We're save, saving that one, but I, it is written by uh, Ted Elliott. Ted Elliott, who wrote Aladdin, Shrek, Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie has that feeling. It's, it's a very family-friendly, very fun adventure. You know, one thing I had thought about when we talked about segments for this episode to suggest is... I wonder what defines an adventure film. Action adventure, horror thriller, these like with the video store, you know, when you see categories on Netflix, you're scrolling. Mm-hmm. Like they're often defined that way with the slash. Adventure and action, they feel like so distinctly different. A lot of adventure movies are action movies, a lot of action movies are adventure movies, but to have them all in sort of one category, like this is so distinctly, <clears throat> distinctly an adventure movie. Yes. Right? Yeah. It does not feel like an action movie. Well, I think the biggest thing about it is that, like, when you, uh, when you sit there, actually Ryan here has, he says he has clarity on the changed ending. So what's up?
1: Right. So I, they actually just didn't have the scene where they were happily married with the infant at the oh. end. So they, they actually added that three months later. Gotcha. So it actually just oh. ended with the death of the daughter.
0: and Got arms. it. Got it. Okay.
1: Oh, that, eh, I think that's
0: maybe better since it yeah, is a kid's movie. That makes sense. Right. Exactly. Uh, what were you just saying though? I was talking about action movies versus adventure oh, yeah, movies. Cause, yeah. Cause okay. You name <clears throat> movies that feel like adventure movies. I'm just going to throw out five at you. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. The mummy. Right, adventure. Adventure movie. yeah. Uh, This movie, obviously. An adventure movie. Mm -hmm. Count of Monte Cristo. Adventure Adventure movie. movie. Pirates of the Caribbean. Adventure movie. Right, right. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. All adventure. Yeah, and then, so when you sit, and I think one thing that happened too with this is, especially the more time we spent in the movie trivia space, you know, fantasy sci-fi, action-adventure, horror-thriller, it's just a lazy thing that video stores used to do. Yeah, like I feel like that's really all it is, and it's just Agreed. lived on forever, because Agreed. now that we are in this space where everything is, you can just get it by genre, you can click a genre and go, I want horror, and these are only horror movies, that's what we want now, because... Calling things action slash adventure just does a disservice to both genres, in my opinion, and the movie. Totally agree. So let's talk Martin Campbell. I think this is kind of a fun director to talk about. He's a director that I think a lot of people are probably not super familiar with uh, in terms of his name. He's just not Not a guy. Well, he's just not a guy that comes up in people's conversations a lot. But this guy in the 90s was ripping off movie after movie. So Mm -hmm. his most famous thing in the 90s that he had done prior to this was he did GoldenEye. He did the reboot of James Bond, right? It was a big deal. Everybody got very excited about it. The weird part is he does that. He does this. He does Casino Royale in 2006. Yes. Right? It's like a big deal. It reinvents James Bond. It's totally dark. It so good. Nothing like this. It's like a very, very dark take on James Bond, and it's fantastic. He continues on. He ends up doing uh, Green Lantern, 2011. Yes. yes. Not the best film. <clears throat> I believe he did Vertical Limit back in the back in the late 90s yep. or yep. Like he did, 2000 uh, or whatever. He also did uh, um, the... Uh there's like, one other significant movie. There's another big one. Why did it, it just disappeared when I was just looking at it? Uh, the Foreigner was the one that came that, out that we covered recently. That's the recent one that he had yeah, done. That's yeah, that's almost not huge though. He also did Edge of Darkness with uh Yeah, with, with, with Mel. Mel Gibson. Uh, for some reason I thought he did one other one that that uh I guess not. Um <clears throat> but he's one of those guys, like it's crazy to think that he can do this movie and he can do Goldeneye. Yeah. And then he can also do Green Lantern and Casino Royale. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's bizarre. It's so crazy. He definitely has a grasp on adventure. It's something that he mm-hmm. understands how to do very well. He has. A, he has a pretty strong grasp on uh, like sexiness. I think that's like pretty clear that's as true. well. You know, he a, He does. He does a really good job with both versions of James Bond. The silly, hmm. campy one in '95. But it's he, actually really interesting that he is very good at sexy. He like understands <laughs> that vibe and how to do it because both James Bond films achieves like that sex appeal in yeah. very different ways, right? Yes. There's something sexy and dangerous about James Bond in 2006. The guy dying in the in the stairwell and the shower with the blood like that's all terrifying but in this like sexy exciting and dangerous way Mm -hmm. goldeneye is like exactly the opposite but still very appealing and then this movie is a kids movie straight Mm -hmm. down the middle kids movie and it's extraordinarily sexy there's nothing sexy about green lantern (laughs) yeah not at all well no (laughs) <laughs> when he gets killed by Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool 2, yeah. or Deadpool, that's sexy. You just love Ryan Reynolds and Click <clears throat> like Lively. That's sexy. I really do. I, I I stand them, as they say, as the kids are saying. Uh, so let's get into uh, Critical and Box Office here. This was produced by Sony Productions, or distributed by them, and Sony Pictures. It was $95 million budget. It was released on July 17th of 1998. It grossed $94 million domestic and an additional $156 million foreign for a grand total of $250 million. and opened at number one at 22.5. That, yeah, that makes no sense why they would wait seven years to make the sequel to this movie when it was that successful. He must have been unavailable or maybe didn't want to get typecast or something. Or maybe yeah. they didn't want to pay him as much money because he wasn't white. Who knows? Like, there's a lot of things, that question marks, that I don't know the answers to that really don't make sense. Because you look at that era, you look at nineteen ninety eight. Think about the action movies that were coming out around this time, like Independence Day, Men in Black. Like, and you're not asking Hop- Hopkins to come back. No, you don't need him. You just need Zeta Jones and-, and Banderas. I guess it's I guess it's not that surprising because if you think about it, Men in Black didn't make their sequel for six years. Right? Yeah, they waited six years on it. Maybe that was was a, I mean, but that wasn't a huge. I mean, you know, Star Wars every three. You know, like yeah, I guess I guess <clears throat> I guess nowadays there's so much less. Guarantee mm-hmm. on these these actors doing like original films, uh, starting original franchises. That if you nowadays you schedule it so it's like okay if we ha- if we make a successful one, you can bet your ass we're going to make another one two or three years later. Because right. if this movie made money, like any leading actor would be an idiot to turn down the sequel. Because movies flop all the time. There's no guarantee anymore. Mm-hmm. So I guess like nowadays, if the same exact thing happened, they would absolutely make this. Whereas back then, it was like I'm fine. I'm going to yeah. make. I'll go make the 13th movie. Warrior. It'll yes. be successful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 6.7 on IMDb. It's got an 82% on the tomato meter and a 72 by audience. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, usually not what I like to see when the audience likes it less than the critics, but I'm okay with it this time. Um, and uh, let's get into our next segment of Favorite Line. Yeah, Favorite Line. So this is... Uh, there's, there's several in, in, in the film that I like a lot, yeah. and the one for me, I think, that... that uh, I don't know why it just kind of wrapped the story up. It's actually in that final scene. It's in the final scene, and he says, "Antonio Manera says, many men have been Zoro, but they've all loved you." Uh, I was like, I was like, ah, that's that's pretty good. That's a good that's line. A not it's not even <clears throat> creepy at all, and it's totally accurate. It's yeah, like there's two people, and yep. they both loved you. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is a really good line. Uh, I think I, I had a few of them. I do love the the one in the very beginning when they're in the prison and he's looking for, uh, you know, Don. I can't remember the bad guy's name. Don Raphael? Don Raphael's looking for for Zorro, for Anthony Hopkins. And everyone's like, I'm Zorro, I'm Zorro. He's like, you fool, I am Zorro. It's like this big black guy. (laughs) And I love the response. He goes, liar,
1: liar, anyone can see that you're too tall. And I was like, all right, that's funny enough. Like, that's
0: clever enough. Like, you didn't hit it on the head. You you did the bait and switch. Um, But then the other line that I really liked was... uh, uh, it's when it's the whole exchange between them in the, the bar the, or like the cantina the first time they meet. Yeah. And Anthony Hopkins is, is wasted. And, and I mean, excuse me, Antonio is wasted. And uh, he's like wanting to fight. And there's a handful of lines. So he's like, uh, Anthony Hopkins goes, You're welcome. He says, For what? And he says, For saving your life. Yeah. That's how it kind of starts. And then he's like, You would have fought very bravely and died very quickly. Yeah, I like that that's line. line. It's a really yeah, good line. And then he responds, He goes, I would have found a way. I've never lost a fight. And he goes, Except to a crippled man just now. Yeah. And I was like, God, this is Anthony Hopkins. You're amazing. Why is he crippled? Uh, I don't think he actually is. I think he's just Pretending. that's just yeah, it's, it's just a like shtick. Interesting with a literal shtick. Yeah, I thought yeah. maybe it was because he blew the like blew the shackle off his ankle or something. Yeah, I don't think he's actually crippled. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins would never allow himself. He would to be never. Cripple. He would never. <laughs> he would just only fake being crippled. So yeah, those are my uh, my favorite lines. Uh, do you remember the moment when him and the captain are fighting in the hallway and they like touch swords and Ant- Antonio Banderas? Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> no. As a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like the sword touch t- like the tips touch and he's like oh, oh, oh. like they're hot yeah it's so cool if somebody cool. can clip out that Andrew's saying when the tips touch it's hot and it's cool in, and yeah. then make in that face it's 10 <laughs> seconds that's a good gift. it's a good yeah. gif gift let's move on let's, move on. let's <laughs> so, uh, move on to the show yeah so uh <laughs> anyway guys we have a couple last shout outs to do before we get to the next part of the show mm-hmm. which is pretty hilarious um so uh <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, a couple yes, we things do. to do first of all is we want to give a big shout out to joaquin Oliveira, yep. um who is a longtime supporter uh he's been a member of the patreon and uh he wanted to send us a gift to get us excited about films uh that he loves yeah yeah and so, so he sent us these two films i've got uh karen diru a film by hector babenco I'm very, I'm very happy you have that one, because I have Elite Squad, and I know how to say that. Uh, but this is from the writer of City of God, which I'm really... You and I both really love Great City Movie. of God. Uh, and uh, thanks, man. Thanks for sharing these with us. Uh, I actually love... Having DVDs like physical copies of yeah. DVDs, so these are these are a great addition, and uh we we really appreciate you, man. Yeah, Andrew has a DVD player still. I do. I do. So we we'll, we'll will watch one. these together at his home. Yes, um, and I can't wait because I love learning about movies that I don't know about, and mm-hmm. it's very generous of you to share that with us. Thank you so much, man. We Excellent appreciate the support. Big big salute to you. um There are three action movie categories to mm-hmm. do, and we're going to get there in just one second. But before we do, I do want to talk to you guys a little bit about our new show because yes. we 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 now we announced that last week that we were doing it, and some of you guys probably have already watched it. The Action Guys was a show that previously we used to do over on Collider. Uh It was a podcast we did on the Collider Podcast Network. And we decided to move on from uh, that version of the show. And we transitioned it over to our own YouTube channel, which is Action Industries, youtube.com slash Action Industries. Every single Sunday night, we stream the show at 5.30 p.m. It's a two-hour live streaming show. And every week is going to have, like, a main topic. We're going to try to have guests do call-ins. This last week, the first episode was our top ten movies of 2019 episode with Mark Riley, who is one of our longtime buddies. He's my partner in the movie show. be a schmodown it was an awesome episode. We had so much fun. There was incredible support. You know, we had hundreds of people watching. It yeah, live. even with even with the uh, the playoff game going on and the SAG Awards going on, we had hundreds of people watching. We've already got like 330 people that have thumbs up and thousands of people that have watched it, which is really, really great. We're really excited to start this new show. And we actually thought we'd give you guys a little taste of the show because we did our top 10 that are officially on our list. But there were definitely honorable mentions. And we want to talk about just a couple movies that barely, barely just missed for barely us, barely missed because, yeah, it was it. Was- It was tough to make that decision. Uh, It was really tough to make that decision, but in the end, we decided... We couldn't quite get these in the top ten, and yep. so we're each gonna we're each gonna do uh, two movies that were just barely outside. You want to start, or should I, I? I'm gonna start, and I'm, I'm honestly just gonna say Harriet. I really am, and yeah. it, it would have actually been in my top ten had I seen it. And I, okay. and I feel pretty bummed out that uh, that I, I wasn't able to put it on the list. I would have loved to put it in maybe seventh spot. Yeah, because even if I enjoyed watching maybe ninth or tenth place more, I think that Harriet is more important, and I think that the performance that she gave yeah is like one for the ages. Um, so. I'm going to go ahead and just say Harriet is one of my honorable mentions. I really, really enjoyed watching it. And you definitely get some of it. When you're watching, you're like, I wonder how Hollywoodized this really is. Because there's many cliches. As is, is horrible as this might say, when you watch films about slavery, there are cliche characters and cliche moments that yeah, happen almost every single time. And it's not cliche. It's just what happened. It's horrible. Um, but you're watching it. And you wonder, like, OK, is this added in or is this true? But at the same time, the stuff that you know is true yeah. is still more than enough to carry you into this. Like, I walked away from that movie going. I was just like. I felt good. Like, yeah. I felt great That's after awesome. watching it. Yeah, yeah no, I'm excited <laughs> to watch that one. I, I think um, generally speaking, uh, the studio that released Harriet, I'm trying to remember, but uh, I looked at one point and that studio tends to have a deal with HBO. Those movies end up on airplanes. I fly a lot. I will watch this on an airplane as yes, yes. soon as it's available to me. Um, so the I'll have one of my two that didn't make it. And this is a surprising one that didn't make my top 10 because it made a lot of people's top 10. That's Little Women. Oh, it, yeah. This was like this was like the this was like the hot take for me. I loved this movie. I thought it was so good. I honestly I, I kept almost putting it in and then I kept thinking about it and being like, yeah, but but ultimately I love parts of this movie and I loved a lot of this movie, but I didn't love everything about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't find myself thinking given the opportunity, I want to rewatch this. I would like to watch this again. It was like I was surprised almost that I liked it as much as I did. And I think it's gotten a lot of love from a lot of people for good reason. It has great performances. The writing is fantastic. The structure is great. It's obviously got an incredibly stacked cast. There's some characters in this movie that I really love. One of the actors who shows up in Little Women that I especially love. Henry Ford? No. Oh. Uh, He's great. The guy that plays Henry Ford, Henry Ford Ferrari. Uh Um, He's terrific. But the guy that shows up in this movie that I hadn't seen in something in a little bit that I loved is Chris Cooper.
1: Chris oh. Cooper's in this
0: movie. Um, obviously, all the stars that you see on the cover, you know, they're all fantastic. Um, he's not really advertised or publicized in this movie, and he plays an older character. But I loved, I loved him in this movie. I, I really did. He, uh, he, he was really, really sweet and and quiet. And he's one of the the greatest actors of our generation. I'm pretty, I love when Cooper plays like a sweet guy, right? You know, because he's so good <clears throat> at playing an asshole. Yes, he's so good. But at But then it. when he's nice, he's yeah. so good at that too. Yeah, he's, it's yeah. Um, so I think what I will do for my last one, or my second one, since we're only doing two, is, uh, oh God, there's so many. There's so many. I don't even know. I think I go with Instant Family. The movie was great. Instant was Family fantastic. and Fighting, uh, Fighting with My Family are two movies that I really, really love, and they were both so very close to making my top 10. But there was something about them that just quite, it just wasn't quite there. It missed just a little bit for me in the sense of, Feeling completely genuine. You know what I mean? Right. Like they felt like a little too. Even though they have, they definitely have their their moments in them, they they just feel a little too like kind of happy go lucky. Like, yeah. but I don't know. I don't know if that's just me. But I loved both those movies, and I can't wait to watch them again. Instant Family has has <clears throat> a, has a ton of great moments. Um, yeah. I was surprised at how much I liked this movie. I always people say movies that make you cry on airplanes. It's easier to cry on airplanes. I've heard this before. It's so interesting. Uh, but this movie made me cry on an airplane. Yeah, I, yeah, it I tot- teared up for it sure. It totally did. It has a lot of moments that I really like. I am <sighs> obsessed with Rose Byrne. not yeah, she's I can't, amazing. I cannot tell you how obsessed i am with her because like because of spy (laughs) every movie she shows up in she's phenomenal i'm always like i'm amazed at how funny she is how like a type and like annoying she can be if she wants to be how like sexy she's able to be Mm -hmm. like she she fits and checks so many hollywood boxes right she's she's so good at playing the like the concerned wife Mm-hmm. She's so good at playing like Reyna in Spy. She's like the sexy, like you know, whatever. Yeah, Aris, whatever you want to call her, evil Aris Evil Aris, Something. Yeah. Um, she's just generally funny. In like, I just saw her in um, in uh, like a boss. The Mm -hmm. uh, the movie with her and Tiffany Haddish, and she's really funny. Really? Like, she's just really genuinely incredible. It's a big, big salute to her. Um, Yeah, she's a great actress. Uh, I know another movie someone, Dan V900, just mentioned here. He says, The Mustang is the most underrated movie of the year, honestly. We both loved that movie. Yeah, so The Mustang (coughs) actually is one of the three that I have written here, and and Mm -hmm. just because you shouted it out, I'll go with my other one. I love The Mustang. When I saw it back in January, it was my favorite movie of the year, um, and I interviewed the, the, the cast, the director, and I really enjoyed that, but... The answer for me is The Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, that was going to be the long shot. I didn't know we were going to do three. No, no, I didn't do. I didn't do a second one. I just did Little Oh, Women. you just did two. Oh, okay. I did Little Women. They did Mustang. Yeah, right. Got you it. You did Little Ensign Family. I did Ensign Family. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, The Peanut Butter Falcon. This was a oh, movie. Oh, so good. This was a movie that, that was kind of like a little engine that could movie that a lot of people, and I honestly think that this is funny, but this is true. So... I was going to go see this movie back at a screening like three, four months ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I remember uh, I texted Roxy Stryer. I was like, hey, I'm going to the screening. And she was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see the invite. Let me see if I can, I can make this one work. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. So mm-hmm. she shows up. And we sit down. We watch this movie. Both of us walk out of it. Love the movie. Is it her number one? Uh, or no, was it? No, but she loved it. Okay. I mean, she really loved it. Okay. And, uh, and so that night, Roxy streams, because she does her own streams on YouTube. And in her chat is Tyler Nilsson, the director. He, oh yeah because this was a movie that no one was talking about yet yeah he jumps in her chat and he's like hey roxy big fan so she ends up bringing the directors and the writers onto her shows over on collider she's she's you know tweeting about it talking about it all the time and so many people in our space start talking about this movie and so many people have referenced roxy stryer as the person huh. they've heard about this movie from because she championed the crap out of it that's so crazy and i've that's seen awesome. so many people talk about this movie it made a lot of money and was really great and and i just i it's gotta say I guess, wonder. it's in my top 10 it's a heartwarming yeah. movie. Um, Zach Gottsagen is, you know, he's a breakout star from this movie. He's unbelievable. Obviously, the supporting cast: and Dakota Johnson, you know, Bruce Dern, Thomas Hayden Church. We we love anything Shia does. Yeah, and <laughs> Shia's phenomenal in the movie. He's such a good. He's so good. Yeah, we've always said that though. Yeah. We've always said he's a great actor. That just there's like this weird thing with people like not loving him that much. Yeah. So guys, those are going to be our uh, honorable mentions that didn't quite make our top tens. If you want to see our top tens, go check out Action Industries. It is the Action Guys that just posted this last Sunday. And Andrew and I will be. Streaming Streaming a special edition episode yep. because we're actually in New York this weekend for uh, the movie trivia schmodown. Uh, Andrew is playing in a match this weekend. He, he's fighting against uh, former manager RMB. Yeah, the Robert Meyer Burnett, <clears throat> and that is that is at my that is at my behest because I decided on this match after I beat you in Houston. Um, I elected to have you play Robert Meyer Burnett. Don't you say it? I'm not going to say Nothing anything about the digital it wheel. It was all about the digital <laughs> wheel, but it's fine because this is good. This is good. I'm actually looking forward to this, and I and I. I actually appreciate you putting me in a good position to shine because I've only played people that are champions before. Yeah. And this guy's an IG champion, he so is, you're going to keep the run going. Five champions IG in a row. Five keep, champions in a keep row, baby. telling yourself he's a champion. I will. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, guys, if you're fans of action, if you're fans of the Schmodown and you've never met us and you want to be a part of it, go get yourself a ticket right now. The SchmodownLive.com. You can go buy a ticket and you can go and check out the show. Drew yeah. and I will be there. We like to meet everybody and, and hang out afterwards. So, um, go get your tickets now. You can see us in New York. There's one last thing left to do on the show. Well, really quick. We're doing that show on Saturday. Oh, Saturday right. at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific. Sunday? Or Sunday. Yeah, 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 Sunday. Saturday's the show. We're doing it Sunday uh, at noon, um, Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, uh, because we're going to be on East Coast time. We have to catch flights out. So make sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so you don't miss us. That's going to be the best way to do it. Yeah, we'll be recapping the event and everything like that. So there's one last thing last to do here, and it's called The Wow Oh, you know what? Just We didn't do the three categories it's okay yeah this movie's awesome <laughs> It is. what was that uh, it was another sound effect it was, it was a great one uh, I will tell you there was something about this movie I wish I'd brought this up and I'm just gonna Ryan do we have three minutes right now yeah okay uh, when the movie starts and you see him walk to the center of the screen oh and you're like this is so cheesy what is about to happen and yeah. he's like starts he starts cutting and the credit they start cutting and you're like you're like okay and there's an explosion. And I swear to God, that explosion and the one later when the mine explodes. There's the Wilhelm scream. Is that what it is? The Panther. The Panther. The Panther Ground. It is. Yes. It's in there. I was like, it's 100%. I heard it the first time and I was like, I was like, did I just imagine that? I was like, there's no way that's real. There was actually the Panther scream. Oh. And then at the end when there's it does it again. It does. It's real. It's you can hear so the panther. loud. It's so like it's truly just a Panther roaring and then explosion sounds at the end. I'm I'm actually so happy you mentioned that because I I noticed it. It yeah. hit me in the face. In the face. Yeah, yeah okay <laughs> So uh yeah, the pitch is the is this we we come up with a movie we're doing on the show next week. So here's the here's the, the effed up thing, guys. I'll be in Germany next week. Yep. Um, Drew will be doing the show without me on Wednesday. We have to figure out the movie and the game. Guest, and it'll be probably determined on what we figure out after the show today. So Yeah, because the biggest thing for us is, as you guys know, we want to make sure that the, the guests talk about a movie that they love so we have to reach out to people, talk to guests about what movies they want and the problem is we've covered 200 plus movies on the show so there's usually like no movies that, that we haven't <laughs> done that people love so we will figure it out. We'll let you guys know. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to get updated. Yeah, at Action Industries yeah. a Team Action Show. Those are all the socials you guys can find there. Um, a couple quick shout outs to people that need to hear their names in print because mm-hmm. they deserve it. Yes, and they that do. Is it's going to be general shout outs for Andrew Hayes, John Patterson, Jake, Yacoveta, Kelsey. Wait, this is the wrong list. You have the list. Yeah, this is the old outline. Does it have all There's of so many. There's so many. I got, I got it right here. I got it right here. We're good. We're doing real good today. Right, Ryan? Did you just <laughs> laugh at us?
1: <laughs> that was uh,
0: a... <laughs> I'm pretty sure, pretty sure you did. Uh, okay, here we go. So Andrew Hayes, John Patterson, Kelsey Kirkland, Jeremiah Morris, Cody Seal, AJ Lancaster, Sari Lamanmaki, Oscar Romo, Danny Joyce, Eric Ritz, Luke Haynes, Michael Deacon, and Liam Gilpin. Big, big shout out to you, Generals. Big salute to you. And we have our five star Generals in the Army, Jake Yakoveta, Mac Ryan, John Goetz, Lucas Shashek, Alex McFarlane, and of course... Paul Denuzio. Guys, we love you. We love the support. It helps us keep going. It is the best thing in the world for us, and we can never thank you enough. So thank you so much. I'll see you guys in two weeks. He'll see you next week. We'll see you in New York. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.